Welcome to The Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director, and Sebastian Dennison, Clinical Compounding Pharmacist. Welcome, Compounding World. You're listening to Episode 3 of the PCCA Podcast. Sebastian and I, Mike Delisio, are back again as your hosts of this podcast. Welcome back, compounders. Looking forward to uh, seeing how this goes with Aaron today. This is going to be an exciting one. I, I'm, I've been looking forward to doing this for quite some time, and I'm so happy that Aaron was able to join us today. Aaron, welcome to PCCA Podcast. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Sebastian. Glad to be here. Uh, I know many of you who have been compounding for a very long time are very familiar with Erin Michael. Um, Erin has been with PCCA since 2006. She's also formerly been a certified pharmacist technician since 1995. Erin um, came our way, as I mentioned, in 2006 and has been with the company for quite some time. She serves as our director of outside sales, marketing guru, assistant to many um, and a friend to many, many compounders across the country. Erin um, has been formally trained also, uh, completed her MBA in 2007, and also holds a master's degree in hospitality and hospital, uh, hotel management. Um, and she completed that in 2017. So Erin has a ton of knowledge, a ton of educational background as well. And I, I think most, for the most part, she stands among among us as being one of the, the gurus in marketing and um, truly understands what a compounding practice should look like, how it should be marketed, um, and is just truly engaging. And I'm so happy that she's here because it's going to be a lot of information to talk about. I know one of the number one questions that we get when people are interested in compounding is where do I start and how do I market my practice? So, Aaron, that would be the number one question that I would have for you. Where do people start, and how do they get involved uh, in marketing? Well, again, thanks for having me. I'm excited to share some of my experience. Um, always kind of weird to hear people talk about you from an outside perspective. So uh, I, I'm only as talented as those that I surround myself with. So I'm learning every day as well. Um, I will definitely bring you some of the information that has helped me throughout the years, as well as things that I've learned from other people. So uh, I just kind of want to preface my answers to all of these questions are, these are just some guidelines and some things that I think will help you, um, but definitely not the silver bullet. Um, you definitely have to tweak it, uh, make it about you, and uh, add your own little personal touch to it. So in regards to your first question, Mike, always the uh, probably one of the most important questions and what I get asked most often, whether I'm at a trade show or in a member store. And I think um, the answer is going to be universal across the board and hiring that dedicated person to go out and market your practice as well as having a written marketing plan. Uh, for those of you guys that have heard me, whether it's been on Power Hour or been to one of my sessions, you know that this is near and dear to my heart. Uh, you need to make sure and go out and tell the world what you can do for them and the services that you offer. This isn't something that you can just put a sign in your door, let people know, hey, we compound and the business is going to come your way. You actually need to go out and build relationships with practitioners. So I would say the first step is, is finding that person that's going to be the face of your pharmacy, finding that person that represents who you are and your mission and what you're trying to achieve, 
and go out there and start and, like I said, build those relationships with the practitioners. The two of you, the practitioner and the pharmacy, can then be a partner in taking care of those patients and, and making sure that they're getting the, the optimum results from their medications. So you're, you're talking about identifying that person and hiring that person. What are some of those qualities that you would say are important to having that be the front-facing person or that, that maven, so to speak? Um, you know, another question we, we get asked a lot, and, and I wish I had that, you know, these are the five qualifications or characteristics that you need to look for. I, I would definitely, I always say, you know, hire for personality, and you can train the rest. Uh, because compounding is a service and not necessarily a specific product, you need somebody that is open to be able to always be constantly learning. So you need that person that's humble enough to want to continue to learn as well as enjoys being a lifelong learner. You want somebody that's outgoing, that's self-motivated, that you don't have to babysit, that loves to have conversations, that wants to go out and is passionate about what you do at the pharmacy. So just remember, this is going to be the front-facing person of your pharmacy. I always say when people come in um, and they're doing interviews, you know, if there's something when, when somebody comes in to have an interview with you, if there's something that's not feeling right or something that's not gelling, if that's happening with you, it's most likely going to happen with practitioners as well. So just remember, this person is going to be the face of your pharmacy. Uh, so make sure, first and foremost, that they have that personality, that, that ability to connect with people um, initially when they first start having a conversation. Um, like I said, self-motivated. They definitely need to have some kind of computer skills. Uh, with that being said, Sales and marketing are two different things, and sales definitely is going out there and asking for the business, but marketing is more of the creation or the soft stuff that goes behind sales. So it might be the creation of brochures or um, flyers or any of those types of things. That's not my forte. However, I can sell ice to an Eskimo. So don't, um, don't think that you need to find somebody that's good at both, but I also don't want to plant a seed that you need to find somebody find a different person for two of those positions as well. I can make a flyer, it's just gonna take me a lot longer to do it than somebody that maybe has better skills in that kind of graphic design part as well. But sales, I can go out and, like I said, sell ice to an Eskimo. So you definitely want to make sure that, first and foremost, this person is gonna be a great representation of your pharmacy. They have to, be, uh, they have to want to learn, they have to have a passion for what they're doing. Um, want to spread the word about what it is that you do at the pharmacy there, self-motivated, some computer skills. Um, and I always like to say, you know, some kind of sales background. Um, so that's just, I guess, the top of my head things that come off. That person might already exist in the pharmacy. You just have to identify them because they might be the chatty Cathy at the front counter. They might be the person who won't hang up the phone without getting the life story of one of the people who are one of their patients. And that might actually be an excellent candidate and you just have to give them the opportunity and let them go and say, let's see what you can do. Like Absolutely. that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, and, and I always tell people, look within first. The people that are working for you typically are the ones that have the most passion and understand what you are trying to achieve, what your vision is of that company. So for example, I was a compounding pharmacy technician, but I was also the person that was talking to every single doctor <laughs> when they were calling in and I knew every single uh, person that worked at the office. And so I had those relationships. It was very natural for me to get out there. Now, I will say, though, there were different specialties that I was very passionate about as well. So at my pharmacy, we focused a lot on autism. We focused a lot on hospice and we focused a lot on HRT. I'm not going to lie. When people called in about HRT, that wasn't a passion of mine. So, yes, I could talk about it. Yes, I could sell it. 
was, did I have that conviction like I had for autism and hospice? I didn't. I, I could sell it and I would do it, but there were other people within my pharmacy that were better to do that. And so we actually had a tag team approach. I had someone that was very passionate about vet. She would go out and see the vets. I had someone very passionate. One of my pharmacists was very passionate about HRT. She'd go out and see, you know, the HRT doctors, and then I handled the hospice and the autism. So that passion comes across, and that's why I can't um, say it enough that people need to believe in what you're doing. They need to wake up every single morning. You know, as salespeople, um, and I say salespeople, marketers, they kind of go hand in hand or can be uh, interchanged, that terminology. You have to believe in what you do every single day. You have to have a passion for it because you're going to hear no a lot. You're going to get doors slammed in your face. You're going to get the gatekeeper that says the doctor doesn't have time for you. If you don't have that passion and that belief system, it's real easy to get back in your car and be done for the day. So you got to love what you do and you got to believe in what you do. You touched on something important as well uh, in terms of having specialties. And a lot of the times when people are, are looking into getting involved into more compounding and expanding their practice, they have a hard time understanding where to put their energy. Um, some people will follow the dollar. Some people will follow the demand. Um, is there any advice that you would give a pharmacy who is brand new starting off? And um, how do they identify prescribers or a patient base that is local to their community that is easy to tap into? Well, it, you know, while that question might seem very simple, um, it is very multifaceted. Mm -hmm. And so as you're, you're asking me, it, of course, I'm trying to think of different things uh, or ways to break it down in a very simple way. You have to understand what you do at the pharmacy and what you do well first, because you don't want to go out and even if there's a demand for something or a practitioner that maybe you think you can get a lot of business from, if you don't do that and do it well, you could fail. And so I would say, first of all, there's something called a SWOT analysis where you can, um, you can identify what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, what the opportunities are, and what the threats are. So anytime you're going into a new field, and even something as simple as, should I bring in a new product line to my pharmacy, it's very easy to do a SWOT analysis and be able to gauge, is this something that I should really focus on and something that I would be successful at? So I would definitely say, look at... Um, look at the, the talent that you have within your pharmacy. Do you even have the space or, um, you know, the requirements that you might need in order to get into that specialty? So for example, let's just say, um, some kind of injectable form of, I don't know, whatever medication is out there. And that's something that's a trend that's up and coming and something that could be, uh, really beneficial to your pharmacy. If you don't have any space for a 797 lab or a sterile facility, you're not going to go out and try and get those, uh, those practitioners. So I would definitely say focus on where, what strengths you have first. Then from there, um, I would identify what the kind of market is saying out there and where you need to be. That all ties into your passion as well. So again, I, I don't want to have somebody that's going out and selling a product that maybe they don't have a belief system in. So it's kind of a, a multifaceted approach and looking at the talents that you have, what you are able to do, whether that's based on, you know, actual physical location or staffing, or there are some things that, that have huge overhead as well. And maybe that's not, maybe based on cash flow, that's not an opportunity for you as well. So you have to look within first. 
Um, and I would also use a team approach in gathering some of this information. And I think we're going to go into it a little bit later, at least I'm hoping to, because <clears throat> having that written marketing plan, which I touched on earlier, and having some goals associated with that, you will not be successful unless you have something like that. And that's where that team approach comes in. Well, it's funny because I was going to ask you about mistakes that people make. Um, and the number one mistake, in my opinion, is when there's a lack of a marketing plan. So rather than wait uh, till later, let's get into that right off the hop and discuss the requirements of a marketing plan, what that means as part of their own internal business plan as well. It doesn't necessarily have to be a marketing plan because you touched on something important too, it's SWOT analysis. So what are the strengths of the pharmacy? What are the, the things that you think you can do well? And, and what are the opportunities and how that dovetails into a marketing plan? So how does that look to you? You, you know what, Aaron, you have a unique trait, and that's the fact that you've visited so many pharmacies in your, in your time with PCCA. Um, pretty much safe to say all 50 states visited very small compounders, medium-sized, very large compounders as well. So where, where would people start in terms of the design of a marketing plan? And, and keep in mind, like I, I, I'm somewhat naive to some of your ter terminology. So it, keep, it, keep in mind, pharmacy, we don't have as much business experience as you right. do. So you've got your MBA, you've got your hospitality. So I might actually ask for clarity on some of the terminology, if that's okay. Absolutely. And and I always, uh, for the, again, those of you guys that have seen me present, uh, I do live in my own language. And so if I do say something, feel free to stop me. Uh, and that's, I will say that for you guys out there as well, uh, because we do live in our pharmacy language, when we're talking to practitioners or even when we're creating material, whether it's brochures, flyers, events, any of that type of thing, remember, you need to be able to explain it to somebody that's six years old. And they need to be able to understand what you're saying as well. So uh, don't use a lot of acronyms. Don't use heavy, big medical terms, stuff like that. You know, break it down to where a six-year-old can really understand. And I know it sounds very, uh, very simple, but even the word compounding, people don't know what the word compounding means. And so sometimes being able to say we tailor medications or uh, we make custom options or we fix your medication problem, something very, very simple um, <clears throat> will help you in delivering that message as well. But back to your question, Mike, as far as the biggest mistakes that I've seen, um, I would definitely say I see a lot of people that have very good intentions and they, they write that marketing plan, um, but it becomes something that it sits on the shelf and they never review it again. Or they write that marketing plan, it sits on the shelf, and they never share it with anyone. And so what I see is a lot of people within the pharmacy have no idea what direction the pharmacy is going. So they have no idea that maybe the owner wants to grow their HRT practice, but if the employees or the staff or even the marketing person that's out there talking to doctors, if they don't know that, then their direction is never going to change and that HRT portion of the business is never going to grow. So I would say... Reevaluation of that marketing plan, having very clear, concise goals, annual goals broken down quarterly, so you can have something to focus on for 90 days at a time, uh, helps. And that could be broken down specialty-wise. You know, so quarter one, I want to grow my HRT. Quarter two, I want to grow my um, vet. Quarter three, I want to grow my pediatrics. Any of that kind of stuff. So I would be very, very specific. And then within that, how do you want to grow it? Do you want to grow it in number of scripts per day? Do you want to grow it in increase in gross profit? Do you want to grow, you know, how do you want to do that? Instead of just saying, I want to grow my practice, 
you need to be very specific and assign some SMART goals to that as well. So as we know, SMART goals are specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and have a timeline assigned to them. So <clears throat> make sure when you're looking at those things that you can actually answer all of those questions to make your goals SMART. I, I think it's really important, even if you don't have a dedicated marketer, to still follow that concept. Uh, I think that's another big mistake. I think when people get so bogged down with so many things that are happening in the pharmacy and they lose sight in terms of what they're doing with their business, um, it's probably because they don't have goals set up, whether it's quarterly or uh, at least a direction that they want to take for a pharmacy. I know most people will get involved and they just want to do absolutely everything. Well, and they want to welcome everything through the door and it's, it's, a, it's a challenge. It's a fallback position for a lot of pharmacists to say, "I've got to get to, I've got to get to the front counter. I got to count scripts. I got to fill scripts. I've got to check scripts. I've got to, I've got to be a pharmacist first and foremost." But this is part of becoming a compounder is that they actually have to have dedicated time to to actionable items that are with respect to the business, not in the business. Which is which is a subtlety, but it's an important distinction. So. Absolutely, you need to focus on your business and, and take a step out from being in the business. Um, Mike, something you said, even if you don't have a dedicated marketer, just a point of clarification here. Everybody is in sales. Everybody. Your PIC, your technician, your clerk, your delivery driver, you the owner, everyone is in sales. You make contact with customers, with patients, with doctors every single day. You always have the opportunity to make a sale. And what I mean by that, and I'll give you an example that hopefully you guys um, can relate to is, you know, Dr. Jones's office calls in and says, I need to order some uh, Lasix 40 milligram tablets, half a tablet every day, dispense 15 tablets. Well, you know, that was Dr. Jones, right? Yeah. Okay. So Mrs. Smith, the patient, you know that Mrs. Smith is a, an older woman who has severe arthritis and it's probably going to have an issue breaking those tablets in half. So wouldn't this be a great opportunity as that doctor is calling in that prescription to say, you know what, does it make sense for us to look at maybe making a more precise dose or something that Mrs. Jones doesn't have to break in half? Because I know how hard it is for her to actually, you know, her dexterity is not like it used to be. And so she has a hard time with breaking tablets. So this is what I mean by you should be able to pick up on some of these cues when a patient is coming into the pharmacy and says, you know, I've wanted to quit smoking for so long, but I just don't know how to do it. Your clerk should be able to know, we might be able to do something for you, Mrs. Jones. Let me get my compounding pharmacist out here. Or let me get the pharmacist that even if it's not a compounding service that you can provide, it's still an opportunity to have a conversation with a patient. So everyone is in sales and I don't want you, if you are thinking that, well, I have to hire this person, you don't have to hire this person. Everybody needs to know where you're going. They need to know your marketing plan, your goals, and they need to be working towards that vision. So you would, you would also suggest maybe even having this quarterly meeting and making sure everyone's still on the same page, everyone still has the same focus, revisit the marketing plan, refine as you go, but also ensuring everyone's up to date on even f not only focus, but also the big fuzzy, like we're a compounder, like let's stress that, like we got to make that part of our everyday message, that we got to make that as every every opportunity we can we can visualize, we have to start looking at it as, ooh, I got a cream for that or I got a suspension for that, I got a solution for that. Absolutely. And, um, you know, like I said, I, the when I say that there's a mistake with having our marketing plan, some people might write it, sits on the shelf, 
And then they say, I have a marketing plan. It's right there. I wrote it 10 years ago. A marketing plan is a living, breathing document, which means you need to course correct. You need to reevaluate. You need to change your goals and you need to let the team know, just like you said, Sebastian, whether that's at quarterly meetings, monthly meetings, everybody needs to know, okay, this was our goal. This is where we are. And this is what we have to do to still achieve it by the end of the year, or we've already achieved it or whatever that looks like. But you need to keep the team informed too, if they're going to stay excited and stay positive to move forward to achieve those goals. Sebastian, how was it for you when you were at Northmount as a compounding pharmacist and how was everything aligned with a business strategy in terms of what you guys were doing? So our, our owner was actually uh, very focused on and empowering our staff, making sure that we were comfortable talking about all the different aspects of compounding. Uh, we were a little bit less aggressive in our marketing because there were so few compounders at the time that we were developing it. So our business was growing kind of almost a little bit more organically, but every opportunity we had, and some of us were naturally salespeople in that respect, that we would take the opportunity when we were talking to any prescriber, any sort of patient, we have solutions, we have other opportunities, we have other avenues. Even if they were calling in something that they already knew, we would say, oh, have you thought about not necessarily saying we must do it, but making the recommendation in real time so that they had that as a, as a backup plan, documenting, making sure that we had the notes. The, once we saw more competition, we started to see the change in marketing from, 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 the, from the idea of the owner perspective. We now have competitors. So when we're talking about a SWOT analysis, strengths, weakness, opportunities, threats, and trends. Yeah. So once we started seeing the threat come up, that changed our marketing, that changed our expenditure, that changed how we were going to do things. So that's that's very common. And I'm sure you were doing the same thing, and you see yeah. this every day. People, new trends, new threats, that's probably the biggest one. Yeah, and it's amazing how complacent you get until that new threat comes in. And yeah. and I, I fell right into that. Um, I had no one to blame that... Uh, mail-order pharmacies were coming into my small little town of 25,000 people and capturing some of my business because obviously I wasn't taking care of those patients and taking care of that specialty. So, um, you know, and that's why it, it used to be back in the day, uh, you were everything to everybody. And we don't see that a lot anymore. We see people that are very laser focused, that are very, you know, this is my specialty. This is what I'm good at. And uh, if I get business or if I get prescriptions for something else outside of that specialty, then I refer it out. But um, you definitely, you know, like I said, times have changed over the years. Uh, and you see people that are more just kind of targeting, this is where I want my pharmacy to be the expert at this. In, in terms of being an expert, and this is a, an interesting point as well, how important is brand image at, at that point? Um, because you're talking way more about a marketing strategy rather than marketing and a sales approach. Yeah. Uh, so how important is brand image at that point? One of the biggest shifts that I think that we've seen in the last maybe three to five years is the amount of individuals that are establishing a brand online um, and what they're doing with social media. So that becomes a completely other area of focus. However, does address what the pharmacy is doing uh, in their local communities because they're establishing followers, whether it's through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc., um, but pharmacies are establishing themselves in different ways through social media. So how does that tie in to an overall marketing strategy and uh, to what a pharmacy is actually doing? 
Well, I think with social media, it's a very interesting time right now. Um, you know, you do see a lot of people that are taking it and growing it, and that becomes their only um, avenue. Sometimes not even having someone that's going out and talking to the doctors. I think it depends on your market. I think um, sometimes those things might be uh, better. I'm not going to say all the time in larger metro areas or depending on your target market. If you have the soccer mom that lives and, and dies on her phone and does everything, and if she can't do it electronically, um, then she's not going to do it. Or you have the older population, which is where I was. You know, my pharmacy had been in the area for 70 plus years and, and our population, it was the older, the geriatric population. It's why we specialized, I hate to say it, a lot in hospice. Um, you know, it, it just, it became what we focused on, pain management, that kind of stuff. So if I were to have a huge social media strategy in my pharmacy, would have failed. You know, and that, that goes back to knowing who your target market is, knowing what you do well, um, knowing where you're trying to actually push that. So, but you do see people that are establishing, and I, I'm thinking as you're saying brand management and stuff, or brand awareness and brand image, um, you know, I, I think of people like Starbucks or McDonald's or whatever. Um, when I look at that Starbucks label, I know that they do coffee and they do it well. Some people might have different opinions of that, but, but I think that Starbucks does, does it well. When I see that green and white logo, I don't expect a great Italian dinner. You know what I mean? They're not trying to be everything to everybody. And I think with your brand awareness and your brand image, and that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, is being laser focused on what your strengths are and what you can deliver to that patient. Because ultimately, that's what you're trying to build those partnerships with practitioners, with patients, raising the awareness in your community that you are good at this. Um, the days of being everything to everybody, I just don't see them that much anymore. I, I'm going to jump in here. Uh, Yelp. Yep. That one, like I, and reviews. Yep. I, I've seen this one more and more. This isn't even a social media presence necessarily, you going out and attacking it. Yelp, I didn't know this, but you actually have to subscribe to their right. uh, system to get the positive reviews put out. But negative reviews show up without the subscription. Right. So if you're not on Yelp, get on Yelp right away. Make sure that you're good and ask for those positive reviews. Yep cannot stress that enough because every sort of business that I've gone into probably in the last three years, any, any sort of interaction, please do a survey. Please do a survey. It helps us because even the it, soccer moms on the phones, all the way up to geriatrics, I, I've seen people who are 75 using phones and, Absolutely. and saying, what's their Yelp score? I, I wonder what it's like. There's 25 people who are competing for the same business. They're going to look at the person who's got the top Yelp score because it's all about service. Yeah. So if you do something well, people are going to say it's it's worthwhile. Boy, oh boy, that's a cheap marketing piece right there. Absolutely, um, it's funny because we all do it out in the field as well. I know, you know, I was just on vacation and didn't know anything about where we went to and trying to find restaurants to eat at. Oh, same yeah. kind of thing. I mean, I Three I don't stars, four stars, yeah, no I don't way. pick anything. Tried to go to a spa, same thing. So um, yeah, it's all about what you're going to get, and and especially when you're. You know, people want to know that when they're spending their hard-earned money that they're going to get great service out of it. And it is all about service. Um, and not that, you know, customer service is that blah, blah word where everybody can say, oh, I give great customer service. But what <laughs> is it that you did to go above and beyond? And that's where, you know, review sites like Yelp and stuff can, can help out because the customer will say, they did this. They knew me by name. They called me in advance. They did, you know, whatever it is. 
But that's what kind of sets you apart from just saying, oh, we have amazing customer service because everybody can say that. I want, I want to take things or make things a bit more specific um, and talk about what PCCA does and what we do um, in terms of helping people market and, and establishing that brand image. But uh, there's obviously tons of resources available. I, I think when, when people look at PCCA and what we represent in the market, we obviously have the quality component, the, the assistance for formulations, um, all the help that we provide to pharmacists on a day-to-day -day basis. We talk about the art and science of compounding, and then you think about innovation and R&D and everything else that we can hopefully deliver through different dosage forms. But the marketing support, um, there are different tools and resources that are available to members. And if I were to ask you, Aaron, what are the, some of the top things that truly stand out in terms of what we do and how we can provide marketing assistance to pharmacists? Um, geez, there's a lot. And so to pick a couple, let me think about this. Um, there is a spot on our members only site. So if you haven't been to, to it, I would highly, highly recommend going under the resources tab and scrolling down to, uh, marketing resources under that tab, you'll find all different things. Um, and really, you know, I, I can sit here and spout off all kinds of different things. All of these tools are only as good as what you make of them. And what I mean by that is you have to want to do this. So you have to commit to doing this. Um, you know, I, I don't want to <laughs> get off on my, my soapbox here, but we can lead you to that water, but we can't make you drink. So you got to own some of this as well. Um, but if you go onto that marketing resources tab, you know, there are things like pre-done brochures for you that you could, all you have to do is throw your logo on them. There are some formula idea sheets. There are the top little um, three formulas per specialty, little cards that you can leave with practitioners. There's examples of trade show materials there. If uh, your salesperson has some kind of tablet out in the field, there's pre-made slide decks to help you go out and market it as well. Um, all of the trends, the things that we see, again, this is a li living, breathing space on our website as well. So as calls are coming into our um, clinical services department, they are, uh, we're constantly changing things in our marketing department. And so just because you've been on that section uh, doesn't mean that when you go on that section in a month that it's not going to be different. So we'll see different trends and we'll course correct as well and add new material into that spot. So I always encourage people to keep on um, checking that. The other thing is every single one of you guys is assigned um, a sales rep. And our sales team has a wealth of information. Their background is very diverse. Most of us have been in this industry uh, either as a compounder or maybe selling for big pharma. And I'm even thinking outside of just the sales team. I, I look at our clinical services team and some of our events team and um, even our customer service team. There's a lot of people here that have walked in your shoes before. And so let us help you ask us those types of questions. Everybody thinks, well, I can't call into clinical services unless I have a formula question. That's not the case at all. You know, our team is very equipped to handle uh, whether it's a, I'm, I'm going to talk to this kind of doctor, I don't even know where to start. You know, they can handle that as well. So we all can help you, you just have to want to do it. And so I, I say, you know, take that plunge, make the commitment and make sure that you're going out and telling the world what it is that you can do and how you can help their patients. 
Um, we also have, for some of you guys might know this, some of you guys might not, we have public affairs as well that we're actually in D.C. and making sure that um, our legislators and other people that, that make the rules about what we can compound and what we can't compound are educated about what we do and what compounding does and how it's a vital part of healthcare today. And so there's a lot of different things that we're doing to help you um, get out there and spread the word. And I would definitely say, make sure that you're checking out some of those things. But it, it all starts with dialing 1-800 and just asking a question of how we can help you. So I, I, I just really simple one. You said we've got to own it, like as a, as a, as a pharmacy, we've got to own it. I'm scared. I'm really scared. What, where do I start? What do I, you've talked about this marketing plan, but what, what, what one piece of advice would you give me as an owner, as a pharmacist, as a marketer, that will help me get over my paralyzing fear of getting started? What is the one spark? Because you, you had to do this. You know what I'm talking about. So the hardest door that you're going to have to open is your car door. And what I mean by that is you're going to drive to pharmacy or to practitioner's offices. You're going to go to an event. You're going to go somewhere where there might be a prospect that you're going to talk to. And that hardest door to open is really getting yourself out of the car and in front of that prospect. So what I mean is it's not rocket science. This is all a conversation. The only thing that you're going to have to ask that doctor is tell me about what's going on in your practice. Tell me about any compliance issues you might be having. Tell me about, you know, if you had one thing that you had to say that was hurting your practice or, um, you know, patients consistently not being able to take their medication because of what? It's all a conversation. I think sometimes we, we put doctors up here, you know, they're, they're high. And it's way over your head. It's your way, hand is way over, over my head. head. My hand is so high over it. A doctor is no different. We have this thing, and, and we, all, we call it equal business stature. Um, remember, you're the expert in medication. He might be the expert in medicine, in actual you know, surgeries or whatever that Diagnosis. specialty is. That's, that's, Diagnosis, yeah. great. He might be the expert or she might be the expert in that. You are the expert in how to treat that and with medication. So they don't know, even if you trip up, even if you say something, you know, you got to get over that paralyzing fear. They're just people. You just have to have a conversation with them. And it's something very easy of, Doc, you know what? And it's okay. I always tell people, start with the people you have relationships with first. How easy is that? We all have three, four doctors that are either next door to us or across the street from us or people that, you know, we play golf with or we see at the grocery store or whatever. Those are the doctors start with. Practice on them because they're not going to, you know, those are going to be the easy conversations and build up your strength or your ego a little bit, your confidence to go out there and say, okay, now I'm going to tackle an office that I don't know. Just to, I mean, it's, it's not, it's really not rocket science. And I know that's, that probably sounds, um, no, it, cause it, I do it every single day, but it's really, it's just asking a question. Remember compounding is a service. It's not a, you don't have to know everything and you're never going to know everything. If you think that, well, I need to learn everything before I go out and talk to a doctor, then you'll never go. Oh, I, I would still be in the building. Exactly. Cavitating. Exactly. Like, oh, God, what do I, what, I, there's too yeah, much. I mean, gotta, yeah. Opening the car door and yeah. asking the question. It's, it's pretty, yeah. how can I help you? What problems are you encountering? 
have you have you got any have you got any needs yeah. in your practice that yeah. we as drug delivery experts can help you with? Yeah. That's yeah, pretty straightforward. Yeah. And Julie, I mean, I was a pharmacy technician, so if you didn't think that 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 kind of uh, difference in you know doctor was above me compared to I'm just a technician, I'm not even a pharmacist. So then you know I thought that there was even more gap between the expertise there. And once I finally started having some conversations and and doctors started telling me, you know this medication only comes in this strength and this strength. I need something in the middle. Once I started getting to those types of conversations and saying, doc, we can do that. Let's talk about that. So you just got to ask the questions. It's not hard. I promise. You make it sound so <laughs> easy, but opening the car door is terrifying. Here, yeah, exactly. exactly. It sounds so easy. Yeah. So Erin is available for hand-holding. She'll yeah. come open your car door for you. <laughs> Maybe not quite that yeah. level. Yeah. I think it's safe to say we could have probably gone on for hours talking about marketing, and we have gone on for hours and days uh, discussing how people can build their business and, and create a, a marketing plan and um, demonstrate brand awareness, and you can go on and on. Erin, I, I know uh, for the sake of time, um, we're going to probably look back at this episode, and it's going to be one of the most downloaded episodes, and people are going to say, bring Erin back again, and we will. And uh, we'll definitely come, come back to this topic at some point. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. This means a lot uh, to the podcast because it, it is such a big question that we get all the time. And uh, like I said, it's going to be probably one of the most popular episodes out there. So we appreciate you being with us today. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. That was awesome. Thanks, Seb. Where can we find you? People will find you. you know oh, that. you'll find me. I'm on Facebook, Instagram. You can email me. Do you uh, have a Yelp review by any chance? Oh you gosh, probably should. I, I have maybe in my next life. That's what my <laughs> my last degree that I just got. That's for my next life, but not yet. Through well, Marketing Power Hours and through Marketing Concierge yes. Group and our Sales and Marketing Symposium. Oh yes, and all of multiple those trade shows and all over the place. Aaron the Road Warrior can be found. Yeah. So, uh, thank you so much for taking the time. I'd like to thank all of you out there for listening to episode three of PCCA podcast. For more information and resources, check us out on our PCCA blog page and our members-only website. Join us for our next episode with Ross Caputo from Eagle Analytical, where he will be discussing analytical testing and regulatory environments uh, for USP 795 and 797. Please, uh, t please like us and subscribe so you don't miss any episode. Until the next time, I am Mike Delisio. I'm Sebastian Dennison. And we thank you very much for joining us today. And we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you.